Does believing in God make you happier? And what's going on with women's equality in the abortion debate in New York? You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I, I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. <laughs> he said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism. <laughs> and it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I'm in mega crunch. So, uh, you guys put some mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song. That would be awesome. <laughs> keep uh, preaching the word. Pastors, keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. You're listening to Table Talk Radio, where the jokes are repeated and we do no show prep. That's our MO. You know why that's funny? <laughs> it's. You know, and by the way, Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and that's Pastor, the other voice is Pastor Evan Gagelin. Remember how we were supposed to introduce ourselves? I thought it was the other way around. <laughs> that we're not supposed to introduce ourselves? <laughs> the, the, I, I, I thought I was Pastor Wolfmuller, and you're, the other voice was Pastor Gagelin. It depends we, on what you say. We could confuse people. If you say something really <laughs> fantastic, then maybe we can switch our personality. Like It's like when the substitute teacher's there. Oh, it sounds like you have a personality disorder. <laughs> Yeah, you just think you're listening to two people, but maybe <laughs> right. Pastor Gagline can really change his voice. Uh, we, we we dubbed it. It's one person just dubbing different voices, and uh, that would be interesting. Remember that one time? <laughs> oh, how could I forget? Remember that time? That was the best Table Talk Radio episode <laughs> ever. <When> you, <laughs> and you had the sound clip on, and you were interviewing, I don't know, some Preuss. <laughs> and, uh, and you, you made me you just check in with me and then play the sound bite what was I doing I was like in the background playing Fortnite or something <laughs> that was pretty funny you were like uh huh yeah <laughs> that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> alright well our uh, lineup for today after doing some buzzwords we've got a couple of YouTube videos apparently our the, the, the YouTube Google algorithm does our show prep for us. I'm all about the YouTubes nowadays. It's, uh, it says, you would probably like this based upon your past history, and so now we don't even have to do show prep anymore at all. <laughs> I mean, the, what little bit we were doing is now accomplished by YouTube's suggestions. So. I did do some show prep for the buzzword, but it was mostly because I wanted to make a video out of it. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? So, so I'm making a YouTube video right now. You're I'm recording kidding. at this very minute. So that when the I talk about the buzzword, I can make a video. So wait, the the, the YouTube viewer can't hear me right now. They're, yeah, they're yeah, just, they can. Oh. I'm cranking your audio into the video. That's you're gonna gonna be, be famous on YouTube. That's gonna be fantastic. Oh yeah. The best way for me to be famous on YouTube is by to not be seen and only be heard. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have commented that that's also true for me. Are you so you ready for this awesome buzzword? Yeah, yeah, I go. My brother Thomas asked, by the way. Hey, what do the Lutherans teach about election? Which is great. You know when your brother asks a question like that. Is this the brother that lost the election for the school board? Yeah. Alas. <laughs> In the recount. <laughs> it's all right. It freed him up to spend more time, give him more time making his distillery. So I was reading the 
Formula of Concord. Remember that formula? I do. The formula of Concord. My favorite of the formulas. And uh, that's at 1517, and they're talking about all the different Lutheran debates about how the Lutherans are disagreeing about anything. But then they, they take up an 11th question on election. And they talk about, they say, even though we're not fighting about this, we can tell that we're going to someday. <laughs> <laughs> we can tell the fight's coming. We can smell it in the air. We can smell the rain. So Is we're going to lay. Huh? Is that true? It wasn't an actual controversy? Yeah, yeah. If, if, I'll read it to you. They said, although among the theologians of the Augsburg Confession, there has not yet occurred any public dissension concerning eternal election for the children of God. So they hadn't started fighting about it yet, but they could tell that this was something that was going to come because of this diff various different doctrines on election. Now, here's the point. I, I gotta, at some point, I've got to make a video just about the doctrine of election, but I was reading there this morning, and in paragraph 6, they're making the distinction between foreknowledge and election. Did I tell you my buzzword is foreknowledge? No, oh, that's good to know. For, so the, the foreknowledge of God and the election of God, and there's this, this two-sentence paragraph that is pure theological gold that I would like to read to you. Okay. It says this, the foreknowledge of God, presentia, that foreknowledge in, what's presentia? Is that Latin? Sentia. Yeah, it's got to be Latin. Foresees and foreknows also that which is evil. However, not in such a manner as though it were God's gracious will that it should happen, but that all the perverse, wicked will of the devil and of men wills and desires to undertake and do, God sees and knows before. And his presentia, that is, foreknowledge, observes its order. Okay, so okay, so first of all, that, let me stop there. Sentence hasn't ended, but let me just make this point. They're saying God's foreknowledge is not a cause of these things. The cause of evil is the will of the devil and the will of sinful men. It's going to also say in the next paragraph that God is not the helper of evil. But then it's going to give, it's going to give three or six, depending on how you want to count it, three reasons that God knows everything and that that's, and that that's helpful to us. Okay, so he, so that God's foreknowledge helps to limit evil, helps to oppose evil, and and also use evil, so that there's so that this problem of God and evil is here in foreknowledge, and so and it, and so God is going to limit evil in its scope and its time. God is going to oppose evil, and that He's going to hinder the evildoer and also punish the evildoer and then God is going to use evil for two reasons to give glory to his name and to work our salvation so all of that how how God and God's foreknowledge interacts with evil is compacted into this sentence it goes like it goes like this God, God's foreknowledge observes its order uh, also in wicked acts or works inasmuch as the limit and measure is fixed by God to the evil which God does not will how far it should go and how long it should last, when and how he will hinder and punish it. For all of this, God the Lord so overrules that it must redound to the glory of the divine name and to the salvation of his elect, and the godless on that account must be put to confusion, That which is the quote, uh, he will put them into utter confusion. So, so that this... Oh, this is just absolutely beautiful stuff. How, how God takes evil, he limits evil, he hinders evil, he opposes evil, and he uses evil for his own good. And that's all under the idea of the foreknowledge of God. How about that for yeah. a beautiful paragraph? Very good.
All right. Well, I got a buzzword for you. All is, right. Do you, is this where you stopped the YouTube video? Yeah, I stopped it. <laughs> Man, I'm good. Uh, all right. My theological buzz phrase for you is pre-incarnate Christ. Oh, wow. Now, uh, of course. We... Hey, this sounds like it's heading towards a plug. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! What would you know about that? Your 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 plug uh, detection is on key, like on point. <laughs> That's you must right. you must know a thing or two about that. <laughs> In any case, uh, of course, we re- we confess that the person Jesus, uh, born of a Virgin Mary, uh, came into being uh, upon the conception of Mary around uh, about nine months or so before the very first Christmas. Uh, so before that time, the person Jesus did not exist, and then upon conception uh, did exist in the womb of Mary. But we have to uh, confess that uh, only about the, uh, the the human nature of Jesus, because the divine nature is without beginning and without end. And so even though uh, Jesus had not yet been born, the d- divine nature of the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, is without beginning and without end, has existed from all eternity. And so, uh, so there are times in which we see that second person of the Trinity uh, appear uh, in the scriptures uh, throughout the uh, dealing of Israel in the Old Testament, um, and and uh, we we understand then that that Jesus, though not yet a person, uh, the per- second person of the Trinity, God the Son, um, is. Uh, interacting with uh, with humanity throughout uh, human history, and if you want to hear more about that, no, that wasn't a very smooth segue. But uh, we are hosting, as we normally do, in Rogue River at Faith Lutheran Church, a continuing education course from the the uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne. Doctor Charles Geesh will be coming out July eight through ten. So mark your calendars on that, and you can go to ctsfw.edu to register for that class. It's uh, only 150 bucks if you're a pastor, or 110, or sorry, 100 even 100 100 dollars if you're a layperson or a retired pastor. So if you want to enter retirement for the summer and then uh, reestablish your uh, your your church work in the fall, it'll only be 100 dollars for you, Pastor Wolfmiller. Oh, well, that's just <laughs> resigned to call. Yeah, to you, you save 50 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, I don't know. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what are we doing on the YouTubes today? Uh, okay, so we got two things. The first is we're going to listen to the PragerU. Remember the PragerU? Man, those guys at like PragerU are killing it. I like the PragerU. And uh, so they go out on college campus, and they're asking the question, uh, do you believe in God? Are you happy? Do you think that belief in God makes you happier? And so someone sent us this video and said this would be good for... I can't remember what game. We'll have to figure out. We'll have to make up a game. Well, I'm curious what you would say. I mean, if, if okay. you're walking around, uh, where are they? University of, I have it here. Don't worry. University of Arizona, I think they're at. If you're walking around University of Arizona, oh, sorry, it's Arizona State University. Pardon me. Uh, if you're at the campus there and someone walks up to you and says, uh, do you believe in God? Yes. Uh, does it make you happier? How would you yes. respond to that? Yes. 100% yes. Okay. Right. Without question, I, we, I know we we have this aversion to that in Christian. We're like, no, no, it it makes me joyful, or, or it doesn't make me happier. It makes me joyful, or, or fine, okay, that's called happy. <laughs> it's uh, right. very hard, very hard to be joyful and grumpy at the same time. All right, well, we'll talk about that right after this break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. 
Hey, nice bump. You can compliment them all you want. It doesn't make more of them. It still doesn't. What have you been doing this week? Put this on the top of your list. Make this all bumps this This is Table awesome. Talk Radio. You have been warned. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Likes those. Maybe I should get more of them. He yep. always, he's always nice when I play those. Oh yeah, <laughs> makes me so happy. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna watch this video, and and we just kind of tease this a little bit before the break. Uh, are you happier because you believe in God? Now, I think the reason we would uh, be contrary to that notion, I think, and I don't know what you think about this, but I think that we want to be. Uh, not Joel Osteen. <laughs> I mean, isn't isn't that the main reason we would say, "Oh no, no, no. I'm yeah, more well, I, I'm well, more okay, miserable look, now that I believe in God." Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I mean, that's true because Joel. O- so there's a couple of problems with the with the like, you know, like like having faith gives you it makes you smile, like Joel Osteen or whatever. It gives you good teeth. It gives and you good a, parking. a teeth it's, There's a very shallow definition of happiness there. Like it's a hedonistic definition. Like everything just goes right. You get blessings. You get pay raises. And does okay. So does believing in God make everything go right in your life? No. But does it let you handle the things that go wrong in a better way so that it doesn't simply destroy you and send you off into this funk? Yeah, actually, it teaches us to manage our expectations about what life is. In fact, we know who's I talking to this morning. I was talking to someone. Ah, yes, I was talking to someone who. God be praised is wrestling in a in a very Christian way with the potential loss of a child, and and they were talking about how we 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 know and and he's been reading all the old theologians Gerhard and and Paul Gerhardt and the hymns that he wrote about this sort of stuff, and and thinking, look, we we have these expectations that things are gonna go badly, and you have to bravely face this world that not everything is gonna just kind of fall in place, that's gonna make us uh, sort of. These like a uh, who's that big huge tall guy with the house in Fiji that all, does all the positive thinking stuff? Tony Robbins. Like we're not going to have this Tony Robbins kind of life. That's not what that's not what faith does. But it does tell us that God, in fact, is not going to throw us into hell, <laughs> hmm. and that should probably make you happy. I mean, did you should think of, you know what I deserve is to be conceived right into the flames of eternal punishment. But instead, the Lord has given me His Son Jesus, the forgiveness of all of my sins, the sure hope of eternal life, and also a couple of days to live on this earth to rejoice in His goodness here. I mean, it should probably affect our emotional state. The the uh, the, the other criticism, though, I have of this idea that I'm happier because I believe in God, is if that should be sort of the uh, uh, the the reason that one should believe in God. So yes. so Aha. here I come along and say, do you believe in God? No. Well, yeah. you'd be happier if you did. Right. That's right. That that's bad. You know, that, that, this is the old. Remember the uh, those guys that we kind of like and wish they were Lutheran. Um, the, who's the guy in Full House? Uh, oh, Kirk Cameron. Kirk Cameron and Ray Comfort. Those guys over there, at Living Water, like the closest guys to law and gospel. To be, but they're not Lutheran, and uh, and and Ray Comfort has this great illustration. I'll preach it sometimes about being on the airplane. Have I have have I ever told you that? Oh no, do tell. 
you're like this. The problem is you preach it, and you're like, man, that's really great. And you're like, I didn't come up like, with it. Yeah. Where'd you get that, Pastor? Oh, yeah. Growing pain. It's like in Sunday school yesterday, I had to quote John Calvin, the human heart is an idol factory, which is a great <laughs> quote. And I'm like, oh, I wish Luther would have said it. <laughs> you know what's so, funny is that Calvinists have no problem quoting Luther, but for some reason, Lutherans have a problem quoting Calvin. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so Ray Comfort says this. He says, imagine you get on an airplane. And there's two people. There's a person in first class and a person in coach. And and the person in first class and the plane is going to crash. And the person in first class, the 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 stewardess or what are they called now? The flight attendant. Remember how they used to be yeah, stewardesses? Yeah. Get it right. You don't want to be non PC. I know. Next time I'm on the airplane, I'm like, oops, spilled your coffee. You thought I was a f- stewardess? <laughs> we oops. are chiefly here for your safety. Okay. <laughs> I believe you. Now, the so the, the the flight attendant in first class comes and hands the guy there, you, you let's put you in first class. Okay. Hands you a parachute okay. and says to you, put put this parachute on. It's going to make your flight a lot better. <laughs> so you're like, oh, oh, okay. That sounds good. I want a better flight. So you put the parachute on and you're like, this is this is really uncomfortable. You're slouched over. It barely. You're all crammed. You know. You got. You got this parachute. You can't sit up straight. Like, this is. This hurting your back. It's not, not making my flight better. And she brings you your mimosa or whatever, and you're trying to drink it, and and you're all hunched over, and you can't. And, you're, and so you take the parachute off, and you put it down at your feet, and then you're trying to eat your steak there with your fine china, and but you you can't put the tray all the way down because it's there. So you you're getting annoyed. This is not. This is not making my flight better. So you put it in the overhead bin, and you you and and you're like that lady lied to me. This is not making my flight better at all. Well, in the back where I'm sitting in coach, the flight attendant comes to me and says, "Put this parachute on. The plane's crashing. We're gonna die. This is gonna save your life." <laughs> so now I put the parachute on, and now there's turbulence, and I don't. The parachute doesn't annoy me. I cinch it up even tighter. And now it starts to get it gets hot in the plane and it, and I'm sweating and the parachute's making it worse, but I don't care. I'm holding on to that thing for dear life because I know it's not it's not making the flight better. It's saving my life. And this is what the forgiveness is this is what the gospel is. It's not it's not there to make things go better for you. It's there to save you. Hmm. Now now, so that, that so that's the illustration. That's great, isn't it? That's a perfect illustration. So I guess to to bring it back to the question, does God make your life happier. If you're sitting in coach, uh, I'm a lot happier that I have a parachute than going down with this plane without a parachute. Yeah, right. So, so the fact that uh, uh, that it's getting hot in the in the in the cabin and sweating and all this stuff doesn't really matter if I have a parachute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when when you survive the crash and and the and the news cameras are, what was the experience like? Oh man, it was terribly sweaty on the way down. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, yeah, you said I'm alive. <laughs> I should be dead, but I'm not. I'm alive. That's pretty good. See, I mean, right. so it's a different. So the Joel Osteen is the front. The 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 true go- the gospels and coach. You so you were listening to Joel Osteen's flight. Why did you put me in first class then? Well, I thought you'd enjoy the mimosa. <laughs> And I'm and so I was there in the back, and it's all crowded and everything. But you live through it, and that's the point. And so, okay, which has to do with happiness? Now you could say, well, the first one says so that to be happy is not the reason you believe in God. This is the point: to be happy is not the belief, but to believe in God 
does make you happier. It's a it's a fruit of the thing. And and even if you're sad, even if you're a Christian and you're a sad Christian and you're a depressed Christian, you are less sad and less depressed if you didn't have faith at all. That mm. is true. I mean, because then there's nothing. You got nothing. No hope in the world. We were without God and without hope. That's how Paul describes the unbeliever. So that there's a faux happiness for the unbeliever. It's an ignorance is bliss kind of thing, but it's an empty uh, uh, sham happiness. Whereas the Christian can have a true happiness because we have the promises of God. See, see that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, we need to play a little bit of this before we run out of time. So okay. here, here's here's the Prager University. What's up, guys? This is Will Witt with PragerU. Today we're at Arizona State University, and we're going to be asking people if they believe in God, if they're happy, and if their lives would be better with religion in it. Let's do it. Are you happy with your life? <laughs> I think that's a hard question to answer. Overall, yes. Okay, good. Uh... That guy yeah, looks like yes. he's stoned. Do you believe in God? Hey. Uh, probably not. Um, I'm agnostic, so eh. Uh, I mean, I'm open to the idea of God. Do you think that your life would be better with God or religion in it? Um, no, I don't think so. It's hard to say, but I think I'm good right now. Uh, no. <laughs> would you consider your life happy? Are you happy with your life? Yeah, I'm totally happy. Do you believe in God? I do believe in God. Do you believe in God? I do. Do you believe in God? Yes, I do. Do you think that God makes your life happier, having religion makes you happier? Definitely, I'd say so. Why is that? Uh, God's, if you believe in a God, you're believing in someone to that directs your life in a way, and I believe God has directed my life to in a happy way. Um, the more I've fell in love with love himself, the happier I've become. Um, I found more satisfaction in my life. Religion is the best way to access that set of values. Um, That's what makes our country so great. We were built off of Judeo-Christian values. You know, my faith has been one thing that's been more constant than anything else in my life. Do you think if atheists believed in God, they would be happier? Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think that? Well, just because, like... Both Christians and atheists have to recognize that we're both not perfect, but Christians recognize they have like a redeeming quality that like Christ takes that imperfection and sort of like makes up for it, makes it like okay that we're not perfect, whereas the atheists don't have that. I'm a political science major, um, and you know, just looking at the foundations of our country and where our country is now, um, without the Bible, without religion, no country can succeed. Truth bombs. Dang. <laughs> All right, guys, so we just finished up here at Arizona State University, and we're pleasantly surprised at the amount of people who believed in God, uh, were religious, and think that God and religion actually fulfill their lives. It's a wonderful thing. You know, I started out as an atheist, and now I'm a much more religious person. So, guys, if you agree with that message, share this video with your friends, and follow me and PragerU on social media. Thanks. All right, so we have about... Uh 30 seconds for a quick comment, then we can discuss it more after the break. Here's the main thing, is that I've been out on the street asking these questions, too, and I'll tell you, it is hard to find a person who's not a Christian, who says that they're not a Christian. And this is something that we should probably be reminded of, because the, the actual existence of Christians and Christian people in the real world versus the existence of people in the world that the media wants us to think that we live in is very, very different. There's a conspiracy out there. Very interesting. All right. 
Let's take a break right there. I have a, a couple of thoughts on this video. I want to hear more what you think too, Pastor Wolf, and then we get back. We also have a video about a Roman Catholic bishop about the new New York abortion law. That's coming right up. It's really classy up here. Table Talk Radio will be right back. The Sunday Drive Home, grappling with the text on the Theo vlog. These are some of the playlists on the YouTube channel. Visit YouTube slash Wolfmuller1. Check it out there. Oh, I love this. You don't really want me to get rid of that one, do you? I mean, deep down, wouldn't you miss it? <laughs> All right. So the last segment, we listened to the video from PragerU, a um, young man going on college campuses asking people whether they believe in God and, and if they do, whether they're happy or uh, I, I, my thought, uh, at one point he asked a question, well, why do you think atheists would be happier if they believed in God, uh, religion, or any of this kind of thing? And I think the answer there is because um, believing in God, or, let, let me let me actually narrow it down even more, not just believing in God. Uh, being a Christian, being, a, being uh, one of faith who believes in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, uh, that gives the Christian a context for their suffering. And that's why they're happier. So uh, th- there's no there's no doubt that there's any uh, crazy amount of suffering in the world. Uh, we have uh, you know mass shooters all around us. We have disease and I mean cancer that seems to be getting more and more people that we love and know. Uh, I mean it's just there's suffering all around, and it is a difficult, hard thing. But the Christian has a context in which they can understand that suffering. It is. The context that uh, this world is not all there is. Uh, in fact, this world, though a, a creation of God, is is crippled and fallen in sin, and that He is He is fixing that problem. Um, well, I mean, in, in His death, He has reconciled us to Himself, and His promise to to bring us to a a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, so that the Christian can can confess. Even though this world can be a somewhat miserable place, we have a God who has redeemed us, who has taken care of this problem. For the atheist, they're stuck with a proposition that things are getting better. Now, just think about how your <laughs> life—how <laughs> how difficult it is to live your life if you're living with all the suffering there is and, and the insistence that things are getting better— that we're evolving and becoming bigger, better, stronger. That's a tough, I mean, you want to talk about living a miserable life. It's not just living in life circumstances, it's living in life circumstances, and then to think that things are getting better through the process of evolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is a, the, the eight, the eight oh, uh, how do we say it? Evolutionism forces an optimistic view of history and of humanity. And that is contrary to what you see and what you live. That's fant- that is fantastic. Ah, All right, ah, what are your other thoughts no, on this video? I, I think that, um, let's see. I oh, Here, let me read you a little uh, Johann Gerhard. Ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. From the principles born within us, there arises in the heart of everyone this practical syllogism. 
He who spends an impious life, or impious, depending on how you like to say that word, he who spends an impious life shall experience the wrath and punishment of a divine judge. Hmm. What Gerhardt is saying there is that we all have this innate knowledge of right and wrong in the conscience, and our conscience is it gives us this sense that there is a that there's a right and wrong in the world and that there's going to be a judgment at the end of this life, that God exists, God is good, we are not. And then he goes on to say, the reason of this lies in that which by nature is engraven upon all of us, that there is a God, that God is to be worshipped, that God is the avenger of crimes, etc. So that is an innate knowledge of God. It's engraven on the heart of every single person. Now, so so to pause there, because there's one more line that's coming from Gerhard that's really kind of sends it home. But that we so we know that every person has the, a natural knowledge of God as the judge of bad, and that we will stand before God one day to be judged, which means that every one of us, every one of us is in one way or another building the case for the judgment day. Our lives are built to justify ourselves, and we're either accusing or excusing. So we're either saying, I did that bad thing, but here's the excuse. Or look at all these good things. Here's why I should be worthy. So, so Luther picks up on this in his theses on man, his anthropological theses, which are just pure gold. When he says that man is a justified animal, a, 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 human beings are justified creatures. So, so we're either justified by God or we're justifying ourselves. So that every person is in one degree or another busy justifying themselves. And then Gerhard goes on to say, so okay, before I get to this last line, we're together on this so far? Yep. So that when we look at anybody, someone who says they believe in God, someone who doesn't say they believe in God, we, we know where they stand, that they are, they're busy engaging in this act of justification. Now Gerhard goes on to say, the conscience of the guilty adds, I have led a wicked life. Hmm. So that the non-believer knows that there is a judgment day, and they know that on that judgment day, they are doomed. That's the natural knowledge of God. Hmm. So, <clears throat> so that, so that everybody's busy trying to manage that, trying to trying to manage the judgment day. And so you see all this activism, you see mm -hmm. all these people, all this, you know, everyone on college campus is busy trying to be woke. Remember, remember how you're woke. And you're engaged in the new morality. You're enlightened to this new tolerance, and you're trying to make the world a better place. Why? I mean, what even motivates all this sort of stuff? Well, it's it's motivated by this deep, intrinsic knowledge that there's a judgment day that's coming for me. And if I know if I know that I have that judgment day, and the only thing I've got to face that judgment day with is my own fig leaves that I've that I've stitched together for my own efforts and works, then I, I'm in trouble. If I'm if I'm not covered by the blood of, of Jesus, if I'm not atoned for, then I'm doomed. Hmm. I am doomed. And I, I can't help but wonder also um, that, that we have this, uh, this great problem in our country and probably around the world of uh, substance abuse. And I can't help but wonder, maybe, maybe, maybe there's a cause and effect question here, but I can't help but wonder if, if perhaps that, that, that that's part of what you're talking about, that knowing that this this uh, pending judgment is before me, and, and then I'm, I'm trying to even silence my own conscience at every turn. Maybe that results in, in, in various kinds of activism, but I think the other way it may result is in just a, a deadening of the conscience. 
so yep. that 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 I I abuse these substances so that I don't feel anymore. This kind of a thing. Uh, yep. I, I wonder if that's part of it, or perhaps we could go maybe the other way, that the the lack of uh, or maybe put it this way, the the moral decline in our society has led us to miserable lives. So I mean I mean families are in shambles because of uh, partly because of the sexual revolution that we've said you know your bodies are your own so go have fun explore do whatever you want to do and we don't even stop to think what what effect would this have on oh i don't know children <laughs> what effect would this have on families and so now uh these these children are growing up who have n- know nothing of a stable life whatsoever and uh and and it's just the the decline of morality has has presented for a lot of people a life that is very 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 hard and difficult. Yeah. Yep. And some people some people strive on that that difficulty and and overcome. But a lot of people I think just give in to the the, the pain and the pressure and just try to deaden life with the with the uh, substances or or um, uh, self mutilation this kind of thing. Uh, it's yep. a terrible place that we live in. No, that's right. And it's but it's always been the same. It just takes different shapes. Mm-hmm. Where I mean. But it, that, that we can look at each other, uh, we can look at ourselves, we can look at the, our neighbors and, and understand that this is, what's, this is what's driving us. Oddly enough, it wouldn't have to be what's driving us, but this is what's driving us, is how do I have a good conscience? And one thing you can do is you can change the law that stands in the conscience. You can try. Or you can try to, do, like you said, kill the voice of the conscience. Or you can defer it. Or you can stand there and make an argument. But all these things are trying to get to a good conscience. When we know, we know the only way to get to a good conscience is to is to hear the absolving voice of Christ, who says, "I died for your sins. I love you. I delight in you. You belong to me. I belong to you. You belong to life. You'll live forever. You've passed from death to life. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." And that now, to just to know this most simple but stunning thing is that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is happy with you. Mm. He's happy with you, Evan. He's happy with me. He's happy with our three listeners. He's happy with us. He, he really, truly delights in us. And the, and now the conscience just sort of it lifts up like a like a helium balloon, just it lifts up out of the, out of the the trouble of this life and and starts soaring because, because that is so that is so good. It's so wonderful and it's true. It's not a lie. It's not a delusion. It's what God says. Not only is God happy with our three listeners, but we're happy of our three listeners. Oh yeah, too. that's right. All right, uh, we need to get to this next video. This is going to be more of a stop and go kind of a thing because it is about 10 minutes long, which we Ooh. probably don't have time for. But let's just play it, and uh, you just tell me when to hit pause here. Okay. Another New York national precedent will be established. York, the Governor. most aggressive women's equality platform in the nation is going to be in law in this state. And that's the way it should be. New York passing a sweeping abortion law, allowing many abortions up until the day of the baby's birth. The move sparking outcry. Wow! All across Can you the pause country. it there? Now, who? What is this news source? Uh, Fox News. So, did you? I mean, you heard the language. This is this whole big fight. I mean, one of the big battlefronts on this abortion thing is the ba- is the language that's being used there, and it says up to the day of the baby's birth. So, what's the thing there that's in the mm-hmm. womb? It's a baby. Which is really, really obvious on the birthday that maybe, what you're dealing with is a baby. Maybe you can explain to me after this break 
how we pass a law that is about ab- aborting children, and then a a politician can get up in front of a podium and with a straight face and say this was about women's equality. <laughs> I mean, if there's a non sequitur of non sequiturs, that is it. Yeah. It, it's important for us to be equal that men and women can kill children equally. Yes, right. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't yep. make any sense. Yeah, I know. There's a, right. there's a perverse equality there. We'll talk about it. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk. Uh, guys, this is really bad. I, I can't do this anymore. The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. All the good jokes are wasted off air. I know. Back on Table Talk Radio. Uh, Okay, so we listened to this. Well, so far, we're like... 20 seconds into this video, but this is on the occasion of New York passing their their abortion law. So up until the day, now this was this was significant because in in my state of Oregon, you could also get an abortion up until the day of birth, but um, but but that's just because there is a lack of laws preventing someone from doing otherwise. What the New York law did is it actually established that the uh, unborn is does not have human rights until this moment of birth. And then right after this one, we saw, was it uh, Virginia that that tried to pass a law that was even saying, was it Virginia? Do you know if I'm right on that? Yeah, I, uh, or a North Virginia yeah. is there a, or something. Is there even a North Virginia? Uh, South Virginia? How's, how's your east, Eastern uh, geography? It's really bad. <laughs> I thought it was a I thought it was a north or a south state. South but Virginia. Virginia sounds right. <laughs> north or South Virginia. <laughs> Sorry. Um Wait, let's th- just this... not play let's just not play geography. <laughs> uh but but it was actually establishing that uh if a if a baby was born what alive was that? that that it wanted to be aborted, then it, this conversation can take place. I think we even talked about that on the on the airwaves here. Uh, but anyway, uh, so so here they are clapping and celebrating. This bill is being I mean, I, I can see the video and I'm, maybe many of our listeners have seen it already. The governor's sitting at the desk and he's got like his 40 pins there to sign his name. And they're all applauding that. Uh, oh, great. Now we can kill our children uh, up until the, the day that they're born. I mean, this is insane. Uh, what by 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 what st- even remote reasoning can we say that a baby born has human rights but three hours before passing through the birth canal does not have uh human rights that that baby in the in the womb is not worth defending it's okay to to end that human life i mean just have you seen an ultrasound at i don't know 20 weeks it's already like man i don't want to i don't want to kill that thing that that'd be terrible but here we have a a a a baby full term, just moments before being born, and New York says you can kill that. It's fine. It's crazy. It's it's Virginia Governor Ralph Northam. That's what now. Was it North North North. 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 North
It was uh, Ralph Northam. Oh. That's got to be. I thought it was uh, Southam. It's weird. <laughs> I, wa- I wonder why, you know, why Virginia gets to be Virginia and West Virginia has to be West Virginia. Now, like, how come you always don't get to be called East Virginia? Hey, we're the real deal. You're just. I think as soon as, like, New Mexico became New Mexico, Old Mexico had to. Anyway, no matter. <laughs> the point of this is, oh, you asked the question about equality. Here's the reason why. Here's the equality. Okay. Why they call it women's equality. Are you ready? Ready. It's this simple. This is the perverse logic of the whole thing. But I think this is the simplicity of it. It's this. Dudes don't have babies, so women are equal to men. They also don't have babies. Huh. The equality of the sexual revolution is to make women like men. Not okay, fine. baby havers. Fine. Then then women don't have to have babies. I mean, no one's coercing women to have babies. It's just unfortunate thing is that sometimes babies show up. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I know of one example in which a baby has shown up uh as a surprise that way. Are you saying that are you saying that abstinence that that women can become equal to but this is the see, that's not equality because men don't have to be abstinent to not have babies. But but we're not saying that 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 men have the right to go and uh and and go okay let, let's let it let's set up this scenario uh let's say uh, uh a boyfriend and a girlfriend conceive and let's say that the um the 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 mom wants to keep this baby but the father doesn't and so uh the the father can now say uh all right we're going to abort this child the mom says no i want to have this baby uh, w- would any state in the United States of America say, ah, that father has the right to abort that baby because he doesn't want to have it. No. no so no. Where, where's the where's the uh, gender equality in that? Of course, I'm not advocating for it. But the point is, when the shoe is on the, on the other foot, then everyone's like, fine. In fact, there was a case, I think, in Alabama, I talked about it last Friday on a local show, where uh, a father is suing for wrongful death because his girlfriend had an abortion he didn't want her to. Wow. That is interesting. And if that if he wins that case, well it's Alabama, you know, but um but that that's that sets that some mean? kind of a well because you would you would expect that in Alabama, but you wouldn't expect that in New okay, York or Colorado right. or Oregon, right? Right. Um uh, but that that at least that's an interesting precedent for that state at least. Um, that uh, abortion clinics are going to go, whoa, are we going to be sued for wrongful death if we don't have consent of both parents? I mean, that's an interesting proposition. Right. But that's why even the word parent can't come into this whole conversation. Right, right. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, you know, the language here is... But I, I think this is... So you're, I mean, your question makes sense if you have a sane view of children and family and and human sexuality and the act of marriage and all this sort of stuff but it doesn't your question doesn't even make sense i mean so in other words your question makes sense in the real world but in the delusional <laughs> world of women's rights it's not even you're not talking about reality you're not ta- that's not a baby it's a clump of cells well why all the fuss mm-hmm. i mean what why all the celebration and why all this talk of equality because it just doesn't it just so happens that men don't have a place in their body where a tumor grows that suddenly pops out and is a person you know i mean this is how, this is like so it's not fair i mean they're looking at they're looking at this at creation or evolution or 
the reality of men and women and saying it's not fair. Women have been burdened with this thing that we have this thing. Now, we if, if we had any sort of sane view of of the world and of feminism, we would look at this and say, this is the most miraculous thing in the entire world. We were talking, Fisk and I were talking about this the other day on some other local radio show about how the temptation would have been as soon as a baby comes out of the womb of Eve that Adam would have fallen down to worship her hmm. because of this miraculous, mystical, wonderful thing that belongs to women and does not belong to men, mm-hmm. called conception and, and children and the womb and all of this sort of thing. It's a miracle. It's, it's that the Lord uses a different Hebrew word to talk about the construction of Eve. It's like the w- word to build a house because of this miracle that a person can live inside of, of the moms, of the Eves of the world, which mm-hmm. is such a great treasure to be exalted above all, which is what marriage does. I mean, marriage says this is a miracle that this can happen. Now, I'm using miracle slightly loosely, but you get the idea that women can have children. And instead, women say, no, we want to be equal. Can you imagine the men saying, no, we want to be equal. We want men's equality. We want to be able to have babies too. Mm. Mm. It just doesn't work that way. So so any talk of equality is always going to be a diminishment. If one person has something that someone else does not have, then to make them equal, you have to take away the gift that the person has. That is interesting. And so you have to take away the special gift of women, the wo- the gift of the womb, to, in order to make men and women equal. You have to diminish women to make them equal to men in this specific respect. Wow. And that is a frightful sort of devouring thing, but it's just what the devil wants. That just is a great point. Great point. All right, we need to play a little bit more audio because we actually should actually get to the bishop that speaks in this clip. Many Americans asking, how is this okay? All right, here to weigh in is, is, is New York City's Archbishop, Cardinal Timothy Doan. Cardinal Doan, we thought of you right away because there's a Catholic governor cheering the fact that uh, abortion would be legal in this state up until almost birth. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Please never use the word weigh in when I come on. I asked you to avoid that. Right. <laughs> Listen, no, thanks, Brian, for bringing it up. Ghoulish, grisly gruesome these are the words that people independent observers are using about this so-called reproductive health act the fact that he's a catholic as far as i'm concerned has nothing to do with it any thinking human being that would want a baby uh, allow a baby to be aborted right up to the moment of birth any thinking thoughtful considered human being that would think that a baby could be uh, the abortion uh, uh, procedure could go forward without proper medical uh, care as now doctors don't have to uh, uh, be there anybody that thinks that a baby who survives the gruesome abortion procedure and that a doctor is no longer required to attempt to save that baby's life you don't have to be a Catholic to abhor those kind of things I like what right. remember uh, Governor Casey in uh, in yeah. Pennsylvania he's been gone about 20 years so here's a liberal Democrat who said, a Catholic, by the way, who said, I didn't learn abor- abortion was wrong in the catechism. I learned abortion was wrong in my biology books, in my study of law, particularly the Declaration of Independence and the 14th Amendment, and in ordinary uh, common sense and human reason. This is just awful. And I don't know why we would brag about this. What, what bothers me, it used to be 
that our opponents, when it would come to pro-life, would say, look, we want to keep abortion safe, legal, and rare. They no longer find it a regrettable uh, 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 procedure. Right. They want it safe, legal, and rare. Are you kidding? Now it's going to become dangerous. A doctor's not even uh, uh, has to do it. It's going to become enforced because people with, uh, with conscientious objection to this hideous procedure, right. health care workers, and there are many, are now going to have to do it. And it's going to become frequent. So safe, legal, and rare, forget it. It's now dangerous, it's now enforced, and it's now frequent. This is not good for our country. How can we brag about that? You pop champagne carks for that and drink and drink Chablis and, and eat brie? Well, look you at light that. up the Empire look State at, Building? Right, look at those. Im okay, so um, there's a lot to maybe chew on real on there. And we're going to do a little extended, a uh, little bit to, to talk about it. Um, but so the first part, I understand what he's saying, and I agree with what he's saying insofar as uh, you know, look, this is this is not something you have to learn from the catechism. This is not something you have to even be a Christian to understand. You you just look at a human being and say, you know, we should not kill that human being, and that the uh, the unborn in the womb uh, is just as a human being as anyone else, and that's something you 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 get from biology. I mean, you have to be um, coerced by a political agenda in order to come away from from that position but i think the reason he it was brought up that this governor is catholic is well if that's true then all the more the catholics should know better and right. why doesn't he yes there, i mean the bible talks about a strong delusion we were talking earlier about the natural knowledge of god that everybody has this innate knowledge of god but to recognize that we're running from it we are we are adam and eve wrapped in fig leaves hiding in the trees and so so we are running from what's true we're running from what's obvious. So what, what is obvious to a person looking with reason at what is real, namely a baby in the womb, that does not, this does not make any sense. It's certainly not, I mean, it's appalling, and it's not something to be celebrated. It's something, it's a, it's a, if it's anything, it's a tragedy to be mourned, but the gig is up because the whole thing is running. I mean, the whole the whole abortion thing is a is running away. It's not like what you find when you finish running away from God. It is running away from God, so that it has to be it has to be encouraged in that way. It was always going to go this way, and and it doesn't stop. It can't stop. It's a this kind of thinking is a devour. It, Anthony Esselin makes this point that it's a devouring kind of thought hmm. that especially sexual freedom and the appetite. Our sexual appetites are—they are never—they're never satisfied if they're if they're disordered and let run free, and so it will just keep devouring, and so it won't end. It won't end a minute before birth. It'll be after birth, which is what's happened now. So the the victims of a botched abortion, babies who are alive after they're born, I mean, it devours and devours until it eventually devours itself. Yeah, that's all the time we have. Thanks for listening Ugh. to Table Talk Radio. Well, we could. I saw the bumper sticker the other day. It said, "Pray to end abortion." And that. Thanks for listening to right. this edition of mm -hmm. Table Talk That's Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the cabalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.